Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. It's great to be back with you in this new year in 2023 and be continuing with our new series, Pray Like Jesus. Hopefully you've listened to the last one that we did with Catherine on Our Father Who Is In Heaven, Hallowed Be Your Name. If you haven't listened to that one yet, please check that one out wherever you get your podcasts. It's great to continue this series this morning. We've got Ken Matthews with us and he's going to be talking us through the next few lines of that amazing passage of the Lord's Prayer. So it's great to have you with us, Ken. Thank you, Owen. It's also great to be here. Awesome. I'm now going to hand over to Ken and Ken is going to talk us through our passage. So we're looking at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven And I want us to note, first of all, that this is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And prayer, we sort of treat it as a, we pray for the work, we pray for missions, we pray for the change of our lives, we pray for the church and the world. But, you know, prayer isn't the preparation, prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. In fact, work minus prayer You can't really expect to see your kingdom come. Jesus is telling us to pray something that isn't there yet. To pray into being something that we don't yet see. Wherever God has placed us in our office, our school, our home, our street. He's telling us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done in this office as it is in heaven. And unless we start to see that prayer is the work we're not going to see your kingdom come it's no good running around like headless chickens doing things Owen but actually we have a grasp that it's something we declare in prayer it's something we're praying into being before it's actually into being and I can really illustrate that with when we first went to South Sudan And we went to pray for the Toposa people who were completely unreached to see what should we do first. And God showed us very clearly that the very first thing we should do is identify where that particular people group was cursed. Where in the sense that the kingdom of God wasn't there. And we should reverse that in prayer, even though before our very eyes was the opposite of what we were praying. So for every cursed area of society, like violence and clan warfare, we prayed for peace and for kindness and for the love of God to be shown. Even though we couldn't see it in the physical, we started to see it in the spiritual before it happened and we prayed for revival for people's hearts to be opened it to be their day your kingdom come that's what we were praying but actually we didn't do anything other than pray if you like but that is the work so that's the first point I'd really want to make and the and the second point is this I think there's three aspects to your kingdom come and they're all equally important The first one is when we receive Christ, and this really has to be understood, we're receiving the kingdom of God in our hearts. We're proclaiming Jesus to be king over our lives. And in fact, it's a surrender. We're surrendering our agenda, our will, our ego, our pleasures, our having things our way. 
we're surrendering to the kingship of Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're now the master and the king of my life. Yes, we pray for forgiveness. Yes, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and live in us. But do you know, it is actually a surrender. And it's good for us to remember that the first aspect of your kingdom come is a personal one. And what God wants to see on earth is what's in heaven, that perfect character, those perfect ways of treating each other and of seeing the world. And from a, a God perspective, rather than a man perspective, and especially a my perspective. So we're laying down our rights, we're laying down our freedoms when we come to know Christ, and we're giving ownership to King Jesus. And when you read things like the Beatitudes, for example, we're seeing in that whole passage, following the Beatitudes as well, a kingdom life, a kingdom situation in our hearts, you know, love your enemies, bless those that curse you. And we're seeing that it takes total surrender to do that. Some commentators have said this must be talking about a future age, the Beatitudes and Jesus's discourse, you know, in that whole section of Matthew, that th this must be talking about a future age because, you know, how on earth is that achievable now? But actually, if we can surrender to Christ, if we can totally surrender and give King Jesus ownership of our lives, those things can start to happen personally. And there's the second aspect of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God in our environment where, where we are. I think our aim as in Christianity can be summed up in three short phrases. First of all, to make disciples, to be, a, you know, to learn involves surrender. It involves humility. You have to say, I don't know how to do this. Teach me. And the first thing is making disciples. Jesus wants disciples, not just people who are going to heaven, but people who are disciples. And then the second thing is transforming lives to, to change our lives, to put them in line with Jesus's way of doing things and his way of living and thinking. And then, and then the the third aspect is raising the spiritual temperature. As we, surrendered people of God, knowing King Jesus reign in our lives, we start to take a touch of Jesus into everywhere that we go. And the kingdom of God goes with us. And it starts to transform and raise the spiritual temperature of every environment that we're in. And an exciting thing I've seen in my lifetime, Owen, is a change from the church preaching at the world to the church being in the world, changing the spiritual temperature, getting involved in all areas of social justice and government and serving the poor and reaching the nations that God has brought to this country, that as the church has got engaged more in the world, so we're able to raise the spiritual temperature, provided we remember this prayer, that everywhere we are and everything we're doing, our prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done, here where you've put me, as it is in heaven. That involves a transformed me, and that brings a transformed society as that takes place. Then the third aspect, which I think is very much in this 
prayer because in in Luke's gospel it's your kingdom come and not the next phrase it's as Owen has pointed out to me as we began this this morning that that actually in the Matthew the Matthew account adds that phrase and I think if you look at the book of Revelation the word that keeps repeating itself all through Revelation is the word come 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 and it ends with the word come the spirit and the bride say come let him who is thirsty come and we're always longing for the kingdom of God to come in all its fullness in every true believer there's a longing for the second coming of Christ and for the total destruction of Satan and all his cohorts and for the complete establishment of the kingdom of God in all its perfection and one of the greatest challenges for me personally for me in the community and me looking forward to heaven coming is the dilemma that the kingdom is coming in me personally King Jesus is getting more of the victory in my life (laughs) Jesus is getting the victory more in my communities that I'm involved in my spheres of influence but actually I'm not yet seeing the fullness of the kingdom and there's that tension inside me and and that tension should be there in all of us and don't get too comfortable on earth I I love Philippians and the theme of Philippians where 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 Paul describes that he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being made like him in his death that he might really know the resurrection of the dead and that he goes on to say in Philippians 3.20, I think it is, that we are citizens of heaven here on the earth. So we'll always have the longing for heaven's kingdom to come in its fullness in me and in my environment and in the world. But all the time we're longing, Lord, just come, please come. I've preached in many different environments. When you preach that in Britain, well, if you preach it well, you know, some of the, or maybe more than half of the people you're preaching to in a church in Britain are a bit excited about heaven. When you preach that, in a persecuted country. I've preached that in a war zone in another country. The people are virtually swinging from the rafters and climbing through the roof. You can hardly finish your preach because of the volume of the cacophony of praise that's coming from the congregation as they're transporting themselves to a perfect, perfect world which they don't yet experience. They're so excited by what's going to be and it changes their whole perspective on life so unless we get that final third aspect of come Lord Jesus actually we won't truly bring the kingdom now I I love Jesus's words which I think summarize what it means to your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is now out of our prayers arises the spirit of the Lord is upon me in Luke 4 18 and 19 because he's anointed me to proclaim notice it says the good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor as kingdom people we proclaim something that is not yet we're just tasting it we got some of it, 
but we haven't got it in its fullness and there's a longing for it but we proclaim what is unreality but which to us is a reality we're going to experience into the situation that we're in we're proclaiming it in our lives in our attitudes the way we treat people and love people so so oh and that's my first thoughts for you to ask me questions about your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and maybe to finish off what i've just said underlining again pray 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 that's what jesus said he wasn't saying about doing here he was saying about praying unless we are praying this forget the doing good works are not going to achieve it but under the anointing of the spirit bathed in prayer we can turn the world around awesome i'm sure you really enjoyed listening to that as much as i did it was awesome to hear ken speak and to hear his passion about praying for god's kingdom to come thank you so much for that ken that was really really awesome i've got a couple of questions of things that sort of came out to me while you were talking don't worry this isn't a grilling at all <laughs> it was it's mainly just things that i'm excited about that i want to yes. uh, sort of poke yes. more on and, and ask you personally i suppose i love that you started with the sort of that kingdom advance starts with kingdom surrender in in our own lives yes but yes. just on a personal note when when you came to jesus did you was that something that was evident to you at the start or was that something you've learned along your your journey with with Christ? that is an excellent question with the young people in the young people's discipleship where we're looking at the the, the package of salvation repentance faith baptism in the spirit and baptism in water and i'm a work in progress and I would say that for me, when I was age 20, about 20, I came into the baptism of the Spirit. Even though I'd been a believer for eight years or more, actually, I'd, I'd experienced believing in Jesus as the one who died for my sin. I knew that, and he was my friend, and there was a degree of repentance. But I would say when I was baptized in the Spirit, I surrendered, Owen. I'd say that was a definitive part of in my Christian walk, where where Jesus was was demanding from me a total surrender, which I'd not yet come to. I think one of the, th it might be interesting to say, one of the things that led to that was I read a number of biographies and one of the biographies that struck me was Charles Grandison Finney. And I longed for the effect of Finney in the way I dealt with people. Finney could preach the gospel without speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he walked into a factory on one occasion and people fell to the floor at their machines. Just the man walking in the room. And uh, I, I thought, well, I don't want to be persuading people by my words. I really want to know that, that power of God and presence of God in my life that is an influence on the non-Christian world. Your kingdom come, you know. And, and I realised it had to come in me first. There had to be that total surrender. I did actually make, at the time, a whole list of things I was unhappy with in my Christian life that I knew were not pleasing Jesus, which Finney advises in his biography. And I, I made this list, and unfortunately, I, I ran out of lines. It, as I started to confess the things that I was compromising on in my young life, I realised it was an endless list because the truth was my Christian life was a total compromise. I hadn't actually surrendered. I was just having God as a bolt-on ticket to heaven. You know, I'd got my answer to eternity. But what I hadn't got was the answer to your kingdom come on earth. 
and your kingdom come in me. That hadn't happened really at that point. It, I was playing with Christianity rather than surrendering to Christ. No, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I love Jesus and I enjoy Jesus and I enjoy life very, very fully, actually. I asked my wife to tell you that the most annoying thing about me is I can't wait when I jump out of bed in the morning to start the day. <laughs> you know, it's so annoying if someone wakes up slowly. <laughs> I realise it's irritating, but I'm genuinely excited about about being a child of God. So I'm not walking around with my head bowed and my shoulders bowed over, you know, your kingdom has come on me, you know. It's not like that at all. It's a wonderful thing. And actually getting released from compromise. Compromise is a happy state of affairs. And when I was baptised in the Spirit, my prayer to God was, God, I cannot continue in this compromise. I cannot continue in this half-baked Christian life. Either it's got to be full or I'm giving it up. It was really as stark as that. And that's where God baptised me in the spirit, gave me the security of knowing he's my father and that I'm a son of God. I had a new confidence and I was had insecurities. And those insecurities were blown out of the window by the assurance of being a child of my father and that I didn't have to wrestle anymore. I'd, I'd given God control and said, anything that comes up, Lord, from now on, you know, you're the boss. Mm, yeah. I'll just have to say sorry when mm. I get it wrong. And when you, because you might have, we might have people listening in who goes, you know what, actually that, that area from when you gave your life to Jesus to that point sounds very similar because it's what I'm living in. There might be people who are going, that's me right now. Yes. Would you say then to them, you know, actually, if you want to see your life change, if you want to see your friend's life change, your neighbor's change, this is what you need to do? Yes, uh, I... Oh dear. I, look, I, I absolutely love the church and I've, I actually love the church, not just my local church, but the whole God's concept of church. But my experience of church as a leader and then as a member, it tells me that there's always a core of people within church who are just under the surrender of Christ. <laughs> there's always a fringe in church that isn't. And it might vary the percentage but it's roughly the same, whatever type of church you're in, I've discovered. That's a, a funny thing, isn't it? But I would just say to you, if, you're, if, if, if you haven't totally surrendered, you know, you're not enjoying the best. You have not got the best. It just isn't. It, it, it's discouraging and upsetting when you haven't surrendered to Christ. It's much better to surrender. Life's so much more enjoyable when you've surrendered. It really is. When you say, God, you're... You really are the boss. I'm not going to have to fight anymore over these issues. You, you're the one that says, yes. Yeah. So I would say to church folks who are struggling with this, look, just surrender. Stop fighting God over what you know is wrong. Just say to him, look, I'm wrong. You're right. I surrender. Come and be king in my life. Amazing. Wonderful. Another thing you were, you were talking about was that sort of that tension of the seeing the practicalities of kingdom advancement on earth oh, versus yes. saying you know father you're going to come and restore all things please come how yes. do you in your personal prayer life how do you hold that tension how do you <laughs> sort of make sure that you're not fully just going oh lord everything's terrible please come and fix everything please yeah. actually it's a very funny story this morning on the way over so we we had a horrible morning waking. sorry no 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 <laughs> no 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 
on ken said that he just led a prayer meeting it wasn't that we woke up with 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 mice under our bed this morning oh no so we, our, our morning at four o'clock so our morning did not start well and on the morning we're driving over to pray and Catherine just goes you know what lord if you come back today so i don't have to sleep in that bed again i won't say no <laughs> <laughs> so there are days like that there are days where you just want to pray lord come please yeah. please yeah. let it all be over and there are other days where you're praying you know actually god i, I really want to see your healing. I really want to see spiritual advance in this area as if we were in heaven, but we're not yet. So how do you hold those things in tension in your prayer right. life? Oh, right, right. I hope this answers the question, but you know, we've all got my center of the bed <laughs> in a sense. And, and there's a sense in which the greatest, the greatest weapon against Satan is humility. You know, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will actually lift us up but we've got to do the humbling first so i would say that in advance in the kingdom we're the most humble people on earth if we've truly surrendered to christ because we know that we've got mice under the bed and we need the king jesus to deal with those mice under the bed i don't want to give the impression in this discussion that i've reached sinless perfection no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's just a joke to even say it you know uh, but when i started from being baptized in the spirit I became a post-millennialist. Now, those of you that don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But I suddenly had a picture of the world where I thought the kingdom of God could come everywhere, in every person, in every place. There could be the kingdom of God all over this earth, the glory of the Lord covering the earth like the waters cover the sea, as a true post-millennialist would say. One of the things was I was reading about missionaries in that early missionary era in the 18th century from, you know, from Europe. They were mostly post-millennialists. They had a picture of the world whereby they saw the kingdom of God was already coming. It would come fully on earth, and maybe even in their lifetime. And that, that's fired their missionary endeavor because they were bringing the kingdom all, everywhere they went. And that's not a bad thing. But that I changed from being a post-millennialist as I struggled with sin <laughs> so well it hasn't even come in me yet and, <laughs> and then and then as I struggled with disappointment over things kept going wrong in the world you know and seeing that as you the more you researched into how's the world doing you know with the advance of the gospel you realize oh actually it's not getting better and better in fact in some areas it's getting worse and worse and then the decline in our own country you know you you think the ground has been taken for the kingdom of God in Britain. And even in my lifetime, you see, it's been lost. So much has been lost. Every major denomination in this country is shrinking. That's a fact. It's a statistic. You can't escape it. You know, I led a Baptist church. I used to read the statistics and weep. You know, they were closing churches all over the country. You know, so we need to be realistic about this. A post-millennial view, I'm afraid I'm no longer a post-millennialist. <laughs> but I do have great optimism because this prayer tells me that I can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done as it, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So I, I, I pray for the best, that prayer. I pray that prayer for the best, but I sometimes plan for the worst because <laughs> I know it might not happen yet and uh, and i think i think it's an issue actually is it okay i just want to say one more thing about it i think it is an issue because i think what happens is people have 
a high expectation of what's going to happen in terms of the kingdom of God and their hopes get dashed and if they're not careful they become bitter and they become resentful and faithless because they can't hold the two they can't hold the kingdom of God heaven on earth with the reality of but we're still wrestling with even our own sin and certainly with sin in the church and sin in church splits, disappointments, unfriendliness, you know, doing something who that we thought was a wonderful believer has hurt us dreadfully. And people fall out of church because of this. There could be people listening who've given up on church because they they can't cope with the tension even in the church of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's not happening there fully. But God wants us to hold both and to pray what at the moment is unreality, but it's a heavenly reality into our present circumstance. And to keep hoping and trusting and knowing that one day it will come when even I will be made perfect when when Christ comes. You can give up even when you're struggling with a sin and then you do it again and then you struggle with it, you do it again and you struggle with it and you do it again. And uh, you think, this doesn't work. And that can cause you to say, I, I can't deal with this. And you, you just give up. But don't give up because actually one day it's going to fully come in you. One day you'll be fully victorious, maybe even before you meet Christ, you know. And temptation isn't sin, by the way. To be tempted and to have thoughts flood your mind which you don't want, okay, that's not yet sin. Sin is when you nurture it and nurse it and embrace it and cause it to grow in you. That's sin. That's when you let it conceive. When it just enters the brain, actually, you, that's not sin yet. It's sin when, it, when it's nursed and it develops. Um, I think it's really interesting that tension in in the sense of I think in a lot of areas of in Christian walk there is a tension. We, 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 yes, you no, know, we're told yes. it's a narrow path, and when it's a narrow path, yeah. there's you know <laughs> yes. the areas to fall off. And I think it's Luther who talks about for that that I think it's, he's talking about the tension between sort of legalism and grace. Yes. and he says you know it's yeah. like riding the horse. You you know you're going to fall off one side, and then you get on, and before you know it, you've fallen off the other side. Yeah, and I think that even same with with this area of discussion you know I, I, we want to see t- kingdom advancement now we want to see you know think about the acts of the apostles Peter's walking down a road his shadow falls on people they're healed you know i'd yeah. love to see yes that kind of yes. level of, of healing yes. but i also know that there is a a full realization that we will see in in the second coming which i think is is amazing i think just to, to yes. finish off this this discussion how do you I feel like possibly you're the wrong person to ask this question to, actually. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I was, I was going to say, how do you stop yourself becoming complacent in that, in the sense of, you know, God will deal with it in time. I can just sort of crack on with what I'm doing. What keeps you going, you know what, there is a mission, there is a call to the church to create disciples because then the end will come. I've got a job to do. What stops you from being complacent? Okay. I think the realisation that, that God chose me. I'm feeling very emotional about this. Of all people, he chose me. Of all people, he chose you. Now, I don't know what basis he chose me on, because it definitely couldn't have been on the quality of what he was getting. 
He didn't look at the fruit stall and say, that looks like a nice bunch of grapes, I'll have them. He chose me purely by what's in his heart, not what's in mine. And I am blown away by that thing, Owen. And I'm so blown away by it. How can I say no to a God who chose me? And he chose me for the praise of his glory. Keep saying that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. You'll keep saying this little phrase, for the praise of his glory. And so let's live for the praise of his glory. It's glorious that he's chosen me. I mean, I am the, one of the most blessed people on earth. I, I'm living a life in a, in, a, in a realm, a dimension, an experience that I might never have experienced if I'd not been chosen. I would never have known it. So the specialness of being chosen makes me want to be like Christ personally and, and like Christ socially. But I, I have to say, I really need to say this. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still on this journey. I am such a work in progress. I have not made it. And, you know, when I, when I finished leading the church in Grantham, I was tempted to disappear off the face of the earth because <laughs> I'd had quite a tough time there. I was tempted to, to take a back seat. It was definitely there, you know, on me and even to, and then with Sue's operation, it was tempting to say, okay, so missions put that you know, on the back burner now. But I, I keep being reminded that the specialness of my life is because I'm chosen. And the specialness of my marriage is because I'm chosen. I live with a person who's chosen. And, and that person kept reminding me in those times, funny enough, Owen, shouldn't we be <laughs> getting more involved? <laughs> uh, and, and, and Sue doesn't want her man to be complacent. That's a great provocation to me. And if she sees it at all, she'll say about it. She doesn't want me to be complacent. She wants me to be red hot for God. Yeah, yeah and that really helps me because I want to be that for her and for the Lord. You know, I want to be that man who's setting a trail, burning a trail. Mm. And I think that's, that, that's a great encouragement if you're listening in. You know, be that encouragement for yes. your partner. Be that encouragement yes. for yes. your brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Yeah. That's the important and key thing of discipleship, isn't it? That we yes. are, yes. as iron sharpens iron, as we rub together, be that person that Ken's speaking about. I think that's in, incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. That's incredibly important. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, Ken. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been you, great to have you on the podcast again. And I'm sure many people will have been blessed. Yeah, advertisements here for if you want to hear more about what Ken said in terms of uh, maybe you listened and you were thinking, oh, post-millennial, what, what, what are all those things? Actually, Sai <laughs> just did a great sermon where he unpacked it a bit more on our Two Thessalonians series. So if you check that out on our website, it was called The Man of Lawlessness, and he goes into that a little bit more. So an advertisement for that and an advertisement for godly men and women in marriage um, yeah. who encourage us and support us. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for listening. It's been great to have you and hopefully have you with us next time. 